0: Now, in light of last week's message on thanksgiving, today the Apostle Paul provides us some New Testament instruction on thanksgiving. And it comes on page 1050 in the Bibles in front of you. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I'm going to begin in verse 12. The Apostle Paul is writing to a church, a persecuted church a church of believers just like us. And here's what he says. We urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and who are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly. Comfort the faint-hearted Uphold the weak, be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. One verse of particular interest there is, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I pray today that you'll make that personal, that in everything you will give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, as I read through the countless Facebook entries given on um, Thanksgiving morning, not one post, not one Facebook post was thanking God for something awful. Not one post was thanking God for something that was devastating. Not one post was thanking God for something that was otherwise bad. Chris was thankful for finally being over COVID. Billy was thankful for all the discounts at Walmart. Tessa was thankful for the Macy's Day Parade. Leanne was thankful for Thanksgiving Day breakfast. Dana was thankful for her amazing husband. Michael was thankful for his dad and stepmom. Trish was thankful that her grandmother and mother-in-law were healed of serious health issues. April was thankful for her family being home for the holidays. Martina was thankful that she got to sit down for a Thanksgiving meal with both of her parents, even though they were at different houses. Bridget was thankful for the ability to give up, the ability to get up in the morning. Uh, She was thankful for a car to take her where she needed to go. Bridget was thankful for food for her family, thankful for a home to live in. She was thankful for soldiers. She was thankful for soldiers that preserve our freedom to worship God openly like we're doing this morning. We always find it easy to thank God when everything is going good. However, it's not so easy, is it, to thank God when everything appears to be going wrong. During these times of adversity, it's just plain harder to be thankful. Yet the Bible clearly teaches us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ that we are to be thankful in bad times. Not to be thankful for bad times, but to be thankful in the midst of difficult times. So give me one good reason. Give me one good reason why I should be thankful to God in the midst of bad times. Well, today, I'm going to try to give you five. The first of which is God may be using your adversity to get your attention. In Acts chapter 9, Saul of Tarsus later known as the Apostle Paul, was a proud, egotistical man who was trying to rid the world of every single Christian. To do so, to get his attention, God struck Paul blind by a bright light. And while he's laying there, blind on this Damascus road, Saul said, who are you, Lord? And Lord, what do you want me to do? You see, God got his attention. And sometimes God uses adversity to get our attention. Friend, is God your first priority? Is God really first in your life? If not, listen carefully, God may bring you down so that you have to look up. God may bring you down so that you have to look up. Now when we read through the Old Testament, we rarely think of King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon as being a man who ever sought God. But I want you to listen to how God got Nebuchadnezzar's attention. In Daniel chapter 4, beginning in verse 30, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, spoke saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty... And while the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it has been spoken. The king' kingdom has been departed from you. And they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you. Seven years this is going to happen. For seven years until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and he gives it to whomever he chooses. Then that very hour the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. And he was driven from men. He ate grass like oxen. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails were like the claws of birds. In verse 34... At the end of the time, the seven years, I, Nebuchadnezzar, he says, lifted my eyes toward heaven and my understanding returned to me and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. Friend, I believe that we can safely assume that every single time that we're going through some major trial in life, God has his hand in it, and he's trying to get our attention in some shape, form, or fashion. It seems that adversity, it seems that suffering is the mechanism that God uses to get our attention. It seems that the adversity and the suffering are the tools that God frequently uses not only to get our attention, but also to accomplish His purposes. When we go through those trials, when we go through that adversity, you see, we are forced, we are forced to turn from our own feeble self reliance. We're forced to turn from our own feeble resources and look to God for that that we cannot handle ourselves. Psalm 121, the psalmist wrote this I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From where is my help going to come? He says, my help will come from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Could God be using your adversity to get your attention? But secondly, God may be using your adversity to draw you nearer to himself. Have you ever heard of a Burkuchi? Say, no, I've never heard of a Burkuchi. A Burkuchi is an Asian man who captures and tames and trains eagles. Trains eagles for hunting. Now, most eagles, which have a lifespan of about 40 years, are caught when they're very young. They're either snatched from the nest or they're trapped in a baited net. Now, once captured by the Borkutche, the eagle is hooded. A hood is placed over the eagle's head and he's put in a cage where the perch is swinging. And so here he is, he's blindfolded, and he's sitting on a perch going back and forth where he can't rest and he can't sleep. Furthermore, he is deprived of food for about two or three days. Now, during this time, the Bercutchi is talking to the eagle. The Bercutchi is singing to the eagle. He's chanting to the eagle for hours on end. And finally he begins to feed the eagle and he begins to stroke it and to love on it if you will. And slowly the weakened eagle comes to rely on his master. When the Bercutchi decides that the relationship between he and the eagle, is strong enough, then he begins to train the eagle. You see, when your relationship with Jesus gets strong enough, then God will begin to train you for use in his kingdom. Like people, not all eagles are trainable. But those that take to a life with their master, display an incredible, intense loyalty. While training and breaking the eagle may seem a little bit harsh to us, it is a great picture of how over time God breaks our independent spirit so that we come to rely on Him and draw closer to Him. You see, God wants you to walk with him in a profoundly intimate way. God is not satisfied with some superficial relationship. He wants you to be deeply in love with him. He wants you to be drastically changed by his grace, by his love, by his forgiveness, and by his salvation. He wants you to be changed to be like his son. But often, we neglect that relationship, especially when things are going good, especially when we think we're in full control. Therefore, God may, He may permit storms. He may permit the storms of life to come into your life. He may permit the water to rise. He may permit the fire to get hot. He may permit these storms to rattle your cage so that you might run to Him for shelter, that you might run for shelter in the cleft of the rock, that you might run to shelter in the cleft of the rock of ages. Our God Almighty. Someone has appropriately said, In the day of prosperity, we have many places to run for safety. But in the day of adversity, we have but one. Adversity draws us closer to God. Peter learned this in 1 Peter chapter 5. He wrote, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him. Because your God cares for you. He cares for you. See, our God is an ever-present help for those who are going through trials. He's an ever-present help for those who are going through crushing adversity. He's a refuge. He's a shelter for those who are willing to draw close. He's a refuge for those who are willing to place their cares at His feet. Robert wrote this in his diary last year. He said, I know, I know that God's going to make a way for me. He wrote, 2020 has been my worst year ever. But even though it's been my worst year, I grew closer to the Lord last year. Yeah, my life is a mess right now. My health situation is the pits. My financial situation is the worst. I lost my job due to COVID. But through it all, but through all that adversity, I choose to rejoice. Why? Because I know that when, not if, I know that when I get through this, my character is going to be changed. I'm going to be changed and I will endure because I know that my Lord is with me and I know that I ain't giving up and I know that I ain't letting the devil win. Wow. Robert got it. He got it. David wrote in Psalm 18 verse 6, In my distress, in all my adversity, In all my trials, I called upon the Lord. In all my adversity, I cried out to God. And here comes the good part. He heard my voice. He heard my voice. Could God be using your adversity to draw you closer to himself? We know that he uses adversity to get people's attention. We know that he uses adversity to draw others closer to himself. But God also may be using adversity to strengthen you. That's right. See, God doesn't allow us to go through bad times to destroy us, but to discipline us, not as a form of punishment, but as a source of love. He wants to make you stronger. That base word in that word discipline is the word disciple. And the Lord uses our adversity to strengthen us, to make us better disciples, stronger disciples. It's our Lord who desires us to be razor sharp so that we can be used as an instrument of blessing. Could God just eliminate the adversity? In one fell swoop, could he just say, that's it, it's over. Yep, sure could. Sure could. But then that would end up weakening you instead of strengthening you. I read that if a butterfly is helped out of its cocoon, instead of letting it struggle and emerge by itself, It's helped. I read that if that happens, its wings won't develop properly. Its wings won't develop the necessary strength in order for it to fly high. Friend, God uses our adversity. He uses our adversity to strengthen us, to to enable us to emerge and fly way above any trial we may face. Again, hear from Peter. Peter who struggles, and knew struggles all too well. In 1 Peter 5, he said, Now the great God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus will personally, personally restore, establish, and here we go, strengthen and support you after you've suffered a while. That adversity, that suffering, it's intended for your strengthening in many cases. You see, our strength only increases in proportion to the burden that's placed on it. For instance, if you go to the gym and you lift 10-pound dumbbells all the time and you never go up, chances are you're not going to get stronger than you ever were. But if you go and you you lift 10-pounders and then you step up to 15-pounders, before long you're going to be stepping up to 20-pounders and your strength is going to be built by the burden that you placed in your hands. Colossians chapter 1 teaches us that God strengthens us with his own great power so that we will be patient and not give up. Friend, whatever you do, don't give up. You've come too far now. Don't give up. The bottom line is this. If adversity is ready to strike, then God is ready to strengthen. Can I get an amen? If adversity is ready to strike, then God is ready to strengthen. No matter what you're going through, He's ready to strengthen you. Could God be using your adversity to make you stronger? Stronger for something that's yet coming down the road. He uses adversity to get our attention. He uses adversity to draw us closer. Certainly he could use adversity to strengthen us. But God may be using adversity to refine us. In Proverbs chapter 25, verse 4 says, Take away the dross. That is, take away the junk. Take away the impurities from the silver and there shall come forth a vessel fit for the refiner. When you take away the junk out of our lives, we can become a vessel that is fit for God to use. God said it to Isaiah this way. He said, I'm turning my hand against you. And I'm going to burn away your dross completely. I'm going to remove all your impurity. God wants us to realize, friend, that decisions have consequences. Actions have consequences. And he often uses adversity to show us what's in here, what's in our hearts, and then shows us how we can cleanse and purify what we find in there. One translation of Psalm 119 verse 71 goes like this. The discipline you gave me, O God, was the best thing that ever happened to me. You ever said that before? I have said that before. Lord, the way you disciplined me was the best thing that ever happened in my life. He goes on to say, it taught me to pay attention to your laws. And it was more valuable to me than millions in gold or silver. Old Job knew a little about these long-lasting seasons of adversity, didn't he? But listen to what Job said. He said, God knows where I've been. Job said, God knows where I'm headed. But he also knows that When he has tested me, I'm coming forth like gold. Job, the man who knew intense suffering. You see, gold is not a precious metal until all the impurities are removed. Likewise, a person cannot be made pure without adversity. It sounds crazy to be thanking God for adversity. But if it gets my attention, if it draws me closer to Him, if it strengthens me and refines me, well, i say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the adversity in my life. Thank you, Lord. Could God be using your adversity to refine you in some way? If not, maybe this last one will find a lodging place in your heart Because God may be using adversity to make you a blessing for somebody else. Friends, we have to conclude that God's ultimate goal is not to make Christians comfortable. God's ultimate goal is not to make Christians comfortable have all this abundance of pleasure and attraction and satisfaction and amusement. No, we know that God's ultimate purpose is to rescue lost souls from the danger of damnation. Jesus said, I have not come to be served, but to serve and give my life a ransom for many. The Apostle Paul really understood this. This is what he said to the Christians at Philippi. He said, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that everything that's happened to me here, that is, all the beatings, all the imprisonments, all the stonings that have happened to me, I know have helped to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. The Lord used Paul's adversity to be a blessing to countless other people. So we never know. We never know what route God may use in order to make us a blessing. We may be ordained by God to be a blessing to other people through affliction, through adversity. However, we also may be ordained by God to be a blessing to other people through prosperity and good health. We don't know. That's not our business to know. It's God's business to know. Do you remember that adversity that that Joseph faced when he went through the book of Genesis and his brothers sold him into slavery? You remember that? It wasn't until decades later, countless years later, that he understood the reason for his adversity. And he said it to his brothers in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. He said, as for you, my brothers... You meant it evil toward me, but God meant it for good. To bring about this present result, and listen, to save the lives of many people. Joseph went through decades of adversity for the blessing of countless other people. Someone has accurately said, And I believe this because I've used it myself that the only true way to find healing from a painful experience is to use your pain to bless others. The only way to heal from a painful experience is to use that pain to bless other people. Could God be using your adversity to bless other people? Maybe so. But back in 1954, some 70 years ago, there was a young missionary who was serving in Alaska, and this lady was stricken with a disease that left her paralyzed for the last 10 years of her life. Her name was Marie Napier. Now, Marie's pastor, Bryce Mortensen, said this. He said, as I stepped into the front room of Marie's hospital room, I immediately heard this sickening sound of her breathing machine. It was what was called a rocking bed. And the bed, patient and all, rocked back and forth so that that patient could breathe he said Marie looked awfully pale and very thin because she hadn't moved on her own for over five years I awkwardly tried not to stare at her shriveled body so I looked at my feet to hide the shock on my face And then I raised my eyes and I looked on her face and there I saw this broad understanding smile. And over time I began to grow more comfortable and we began to talk but even simple conversation was incredibly difficult for Marie. But when I left there that day I had a pep in my step. You see The pastor said, I had come to give, but I left having received. Pastor Bryce said, the last time I saw Marie before her death was in a hospital in California. The doctors had placed her in some new technology, which was called a breathing shell, designed to help her breathe. And as the pastor stepped to her side, she looked up with her tired eyes and with a faint smile on her face, she gasped and said these words, I'm so thankful for my shell. Pastor Morton went on to say, At a time when many people would have cursed God for their paralysis. At a time when many people would have just cursed God for their pain and all the struggling and all the difficulty of their adversity. The voice of Marie Napier speaks from the grave a sermon in one sentence. I'm so thankful for my shell. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Could God be using your adversity to get your attention, to draw you closer to Himself, to strengthen you perhaps? To refine you could God be using your adversity to make you a blessing for somebody else maybe your adversity is not about you at all maybe it's about the blessing that someone else might receive through your faith chances are good that that even if your adversity is not your fault One of these reasons might still apply. Maybe your adversity is intended to encourage you to place your faith in God's only begotten son, Jesus Christ. And my friend, if that's the case this morning for you, I want to encourage you to be thankful And to accept his son, God's only son, who was crucified on the cross as your savior today. Let me pray for you.